All right. First and foremost, I want to thank all the Patreon supporters of this podcast because you guys are the salt of the earth, in my opinion. Uh, I appreciate, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate that you um, willingly donate to the show and to keep this show going and growing. So shout out to all my Patreon subscribers. If you want to get more involved, feel free to go check out patreon.com slash big truth. And uh, you can see the different subscription levels there. And they all have their own little benefits and privileges and whatnot. But you've got some big things planned for this year that are going to be exclusives just for the Patreon subscribers. So, so get in now. Um, now, if you need old... Uh, well, not even just old. If you just need motorcycle parts or, you know, gear, um, you need to check out Old Bike Barn over at oldbikebarn.com or on Instagram and Facebook and whatnot at Old Bike Barn. Uh, they got whatever you need for your for your Harley. But more importantly, your, um, and I'm not saying more importantly because there's plenty of places where you can find Harley parts, but there's not a lot of places that have like weird old uh, Japanese motorcycle parts. Old Bike Barn is where you want to go. I always people come in here all the time and be like hey do you got this thing for my xs650 and i'll look and i don't have it but i'm like i guarantee old bike barn has it so go check them out so and on top of that they're salt of the earth motherfuckers like bear and his staff are all solid people uh he uh gives a lot to the industry and and uh, really gives a shit so give back and support oldbikebarn.com they also have uh cool knives and uh leather um goods and uh, motorcycle apparel under the white knuckler brand and it's all made in the u.s and it's all uh, made in-house with them guys so check them out oldbikebarn.com if you um have any issues like sleeping or with insomnia type stuff or you got muscle aches and pains or injuries and anxiety things like that you need, and you've been wanting to check out CBD oil because everyone knows about CBD now. It's it's pretty out there. I mean, you can go buy some garbage CBD at the local bodega. Don't do that. Go to CradleLakeClear.com. Uh, all organic materials, all top end. Uh, go to CradleLakeClear.com. They check it out. They break down the whole process of how they make their CBD oil. Best CBD in the game. Um, CradleLakeClear.com. Now, if you need some CBD for your pet, you get a little anxious chihuahua or some shit or fucking got a horse that needs a cbd oil got a with an achy leg or something uh, or your cat whatever you need to check out vet cs over at vetcs.com. cbd oil company and uh, they specialize in cbd oil for pets and it was founded by a vet and a vet tech and um again same thing all organic all top end ingredients all top end ingredients made in the usa made here not some fucking garbage shipped over, labeled, and fucking got weird chemicals in it. All organic. So check them out, vetcs.com. Um, if you happen to be in the unfortunate situation where you find yourself in a... Uh, oh, and so, by the way, if you use the promo code BIGTRUTH at either of those CBD companies, Crater Lake Clear or VetCS, you will receive a discount on your order, like 20%. So a substantial discount. So check them out. CraterLakeClear.com, VetCS.com. Use the promo code BIGTRUTH at checkout. Now going back to the motorcycle accident shit. Hopefully you never have to use these guys, but if you do find yourself in the unfortunate situation where you are in a motorcycle accident, you need to check out Law Tigers over at LawTigers.com or go to... Uh, Facebook and type in Law Tigers in your state so you can get in touch with your local office. Uh, it's a motorcycle law firm uh, specializing in um, motorcycle accidents um, and injuries uh, sustained from that, uh, founded by motorcycle riders for motorcycle riders. Um, Omerta is a clothing company run by my boy and uh, two, my, two of my brothers and, um, you know, 
a lot of what uh, we're going to talk about in this episode is applicable to this brand because, uh, you know, this whole like, uh, you know, stop glorifying rats, fucking be a stand up dude, you know, like old school, old school gentleman shit. That's what Omerta is about. And, uh, you know, check them out, omertamia.com. And uh, they go whatever you need, T-shirts, fucking hoodies. Uh, I mean, we're going in summer. You might not need a scarf. Well, maybe you live in Alaska and you need a scarf. I don't know. Um, uh, but they screen everything in-house. They use American-made apparel wherever possible, um, top-of-the-line shit, uh, real deal Everyone wants to do a lifestyle brand. These dudes lived the lifestyle and then made a brand around it. It wasn't like, you know, they tried to buy into a lifestyle. So real as it gets, amertamia.com. Use the promo code BIGTRUTH at checkout. Get 20% off your order. Now, if you're still looking for more clothes, maybe you're a little more on the dark side of things. Like, you're into weird shit. Like, you're a little twisted. You know, you like the occult. Or, you know, you like, uh, you know, doom fucking stoner metal shit, you like drugs, you like uh, psychedelics, you like fucking uh, motorcycle, like choppers, um, you, you like serial killer stuff or just stuff about cults, cult leaders and everything like that. If you like, if you like any of those things, but if you like more than one of those things, then you're going to definitely like heavy at, um, and you go check them out. Heavy clothing, heavy, um, dot big cartel.com is the website or on Instagram at heavy clothing. And Zach is one of the co-hosts of this episode. So, you know, you're going to listen to him in a second, helping, uh, helping me out on the, uh, on the co-hosting, uh, or hosting this, uh, this episode. So heavy dot big cartel.com or heavy clothing. And now if you use the promo code FTW, which is uh, f- uh, exclusive to this podcast at checkout, you get 13% off your order. And I, if you know anything, you know Heavy doesn't really do a lot of sales and anything like that. So um, use the promo code FTW. That's a way for telling them that I sent you, and you get 13% off your order there. So um, be stoked about that because there's not a lot of uh, deals going on there. Like, you know what I mean? So we got the inside scoop. We get you some hookups. If you're in the motorcycles, you need to check out Chop Cult. Um, it's the biggest information clearinghouse and message board set up out there for motorcycle riders um, and chopper builders and custom bikes and everything like that. It's all broken up by topic, easy to navigate, absolutely free to join. Uh, they don't ask your credit card or nothing. They also have... Um, some of the highlights to me is that they have an events page that uh, you can find out about motorcycle events all around the world by date, by location, Um well-structured, well-organized, and they also have an online swap meet where you can buy, sell, and trade parts. Uh, they get a mailing list that you set up for, so you can get like a little digest sent here um, and all kinds of cool shit. So check them out on all the social media simply at ChopCult or go to ChopCult.com. Uh, if you're into punk and metal, then uh, in hardcore, obviously, the, although the, the unholy trinity of music's there. Um, you need to check out Pitchfork at pitchforkny.com. This is the clothing company that your favorite bands are wearing. Um, and they also have a record label um, that uh, they just put out a new New York hardcore um, compilation, 12 inch. And uh, they got, they've been around for like a decade. Like they got a lot of years into this. So check them out, pitchforkny.com. They know what they're doing. Rad stuff all the way around. If, um, you know, you can also check out my motorcycle shop, which is Chopperhead, if you don't know that already, which is, and if you're not local to New England, you go to Chopperhead.com, which is C-H-O-P-P-A-H-E-A-D. But if you are in the New England area, 
um, or you just happen to be coming out here, then you need to stop by because we're a full service brick and mortar, brick and mortar, mortar, mortar. I'm trying not to say it with a Boston accent, but it's hard. Mortar, mortar, brick and mortar store, which means we're a real shop. We're not, we're not like a little, we're not operating out of a storage unit or something or, you know, or, or like a basement, like we're a full service brick and mortar motorcycle shop. So what does that mean? It means we have a parts counter. We have a, um, we have a showroom with all the, you know, stocked up. I just got a bunch of helmets in for the springtime because uh, everyone's starting to ride again. I got a order, giant order of KDs coming in. So whatever you need, riding apparel and riding gear, we got it. But more importantly, we're a full service shop. So, um, you know, whether you need an oil change or a full custom chopper built, we got you. Um, so check it out, chopped.com, 13 County Road, East Freetown, Massachusetts, 508-995-6764 is the number. Um, check us out. And, you know, the thing I'm lacking the most on is updating the website and putting a lot of products on the website. There's just too much and it's overwhelming and I probably should just hire a person to do that specifically. But we can get you any part you need. So give us a call if you don't see it on the website. Um, if you want more information on the podcast, check out bigtruthpodcast.com and that's it for now. Let's just jump right in. Yes, once again, we have liftoff. I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Big Truth Podcast. And today I got an old uh, friend on, uh, my homie Grant, who you might know from the Born Free show, or you might just know from his decades in the uh, hot rod and uh, motorcycle industry. So uh, without further ado, uh, I just want to give a warm welcome to my man Grant. What's happening, bro? Hey, how you doing, Big Truth? It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Uh, you guys are doing the Lord's work out there. <laughs> I don't know if everyone would call it the Lord's work, but we're doing we're doing some kind of work. I, I don't know if any entities are involved. Yeah, <laughs> that's all right. You're doing it. You're doing it regardless. Oh, just you know, trying, man, just plugging away, and, and you know, this is yeah. something that started over the uh, the. Um, pandemic and was was just something to help fill some time and something i'd been thinking about for a while and a couple of friends kind of pushed me towards and just you know started then because it was just something else to do and um just kind of stuck with it because it's been fun but more than anything it's fun um talk to people i know and learn things about people uh, even old friends that have been on you 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 uncover shit that you never knew about them and then also just talk oh, yeah. to some, some new people that i i never met and uh some interesting perspectives and, and you know especially with the weird shit and stuff i gotta get more of that on oh yeah no it's, it's an <laughs> awesome platform for this kind of stuff it's one of the best but well for you as a good benefit uh that came out of the end of the world is you starting this and uh yeah i mean there's there's so many interesting stories and so many interesting people out there doing stuff that you just wouldn't normally be aware of. And like you said, even people that, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot to unpack. So, uh, yeah, little of the people you don't know. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, so uh, before we even start today, your Instagram Monica's large hands grant. So we got to get to the bottom <laughs> of that nickname. Is it literally just cause of like, you have a, a large hands or is there something to that name? Yeah. 
I guess so. Uh, the, the only thing to it is uh, uh, my grandpa and I don't know. I guess most people in my family are pretty tall. And so it always seemed normal to me. And I mean, my hands have always just been at the end of my wrist. So I never really thought twice about it because yeah. I don't know what else, you know, I'm not used to anything else. Uh, and everybody's different. And everybody's like, oh, man, you got you got big hands. You got big hands. I'm like, I, I don't know. It's just. I don't know, <laughs> but apparently they're they're bigger than most. But the only thing that really gets me is big gloves. So uh, you know, nothing else, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So, so you a two X or a three X in gloves? It depends on who's making them, but I do have some three Xs. Okay, all right. Yeah, I get it. Yep. I get it. So that's big. That's big. Yeah. Um. So yeah, for for people that might be uh, not as familiar with you, like you know, I. I don't think anyone listening to the show isn't familiar with Born Free, but you're one of the co-creators and, and founders of it. Um, they might not yeah, be as familiar um, with you personally, you know what I mean? Like maybe well, let's talk about the show and all that, but before we even get yeah. to that, talk a little bit about your background and, you know, where you're from and how you even got into these worlds and, and uh, you know, sure. what motivated you to kind of get into all this. Yeah, I kind of have my dad to blame um, because at an early age, I think even before I was really cognizant of anything, I have an older brother and then eventually there's four younger sisters. Uh, so there's six kids in a big old family from Utah. I grew up in a pretty Mormon family. and uh, But uh, when my brother and I were little, my my parents were still pretty active with some of their friends in a lot of camping and dirt biking and stuff. And uh, there's pictures of me in diapers and stuff in a tent. I don't know, somewhere in Northern Utah or Idaho, or, or they used to do a lot of river rafting and stuff. And uh, um, my, uh, my dad taught me and everybody else in the neighborhood basically how to ride a motorcycle. I was about, I was six or so. And he had a little YZ80. He was he was the king of finding cheap dirt bikes at yard sales. So it was mostly just seventies dirt bikes. Uh, again, this is in the I don't know mid eighties. I was born in seventy nine, so yeah, probably eighty five, eighty six was was when I learned to ride. Um, he put my brother on, me on, all the neighborhood kids. My eventually my sisters, anybody who wanted to ride. He, the dogs would ride on the gas tanks and everything, <laughs> and. Uh, um, so kind of started out with that stuff pretty early and it, it, it's, I didn't really find out a lot about my grandpa, my great grandpa, my dad's side, uh, riding until later on, except for we, we all knew that my great grandpa actually got killed, uh, in 54, I think. And funny enough, uh, or not, he was riding a survey car, a uh, Harley survey car. He was a, a motorcycle officer in Salt Lake. And I eventually, and a lot of this stuff I didn't see until my grandpa passed away and we were going through a lot of photos and stuff with my grandma, who's still around. She's 99. And, um, so my grand, my great grandpa, there's pictures of him on a VL, uh, real fuzzy, kind of bad picture, but VL police bike. And then later on was on survey cars. And then, uh, my grandpa, uh, he was in training for all that. And there's, there's pictures of cool pictures of him, like standing over a uh, knucklehead and a couple other guys on big twin flatheads in their training. And then, uh, uh, I don't know, the whole police force in 51 got, a, uh, I guess new panheads and they're all lined up out in front of the, the station. And then, but after my great grandpa, uh, got killed, 
my grandpa went into a car, but my dad grew up riding dirt bikes, uh, him and his cousins. And there was never really any talks of in, in, in my family period about, Oh, you can't ride a motorcycle. It's dangerous. Yada, yada, yada. So I guess they looked at it more as, you know, the other person's fault. It wasn't my great grandpa's fault for riding a motorcycle. So sure, plus yeah. no helmet and all that shit back then. So, yeah. uh, who's to say, um, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I made my dad ride a lot of the stuff that his dad rode, um, and then uh, you know I've I've for whatever fallen in love with survey cars because I've I've ridden one so much instead of running errands in a car. So it's kind of funny this whole full circle thing with the family history. But um, uh, I didn't really get deep into Harley's until later on. Uh, for one, money and they're just a big old poor family making it. But my dad. Uh, he was always working on cars and uh, he uh, he graduated in 72, I believe, and was a big like Chevy muscle car guy, like 69 Z28 was the pinnacle for him. And uh, he had a 69 RSS in the early 70s, again, kind of before the family came along. And um, he, he always talked about a 56 Chevy truck that he had with a, he put a 396 in, but still had the stock training and was always putting trannies in it and whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I got bit by the old car bug. Um, and we all were Jones and learned how to drive pretty early on. And um, I don't know. We were probably pretty good at it by the time we were 13, 14, 15. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so was it, was, uh, you like, know, were you in like kind of like a little like not remote, but like an area where it wasn't looked down on to see a kid driving around? No, <laughs> no. Right in the middle of Salt Lake City. Oh, so, oh all right. <laughs> But, you know, he'd let us drive to and from church. And then we were right by the high school I went to. And they had a big driving uh, range for cars. And we'd go over there. And then uh, a a friend of mine growing up, his family had a bunch of property outside of Zion National Park down in Southern Utah. They'd go down there for a little bit in the summers. And there's a shitty old farm truck with with a bad clutch in it. And uh, so we'd all pile in that thing. And, yeah, we are probably... 14 at this point and uh they had 1600 acres or something so we were really able to stretch our legs there but somebody's grabbing the gear shift and the other one's trying to you know the clutch was was totally jacked in it yeah but uh it was probably a a long long throw on that clutch probably right like (laughs) oh yeah yeah exactly so it was probably it probably would have been hilarious to watch but uh my brother's friend had a 69 nova uh, which unfortunately they eventually donated because nobody cared about that stuff in the nineties, apparently. And it was like a one owner clean car, but three fifty three speed. And, uh, I learned, uh, right before my lesson or my driver's license test in that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, all things kind of, kind of old car related is sort of what I got obsessed with. Um, in high school, I thought I was going to go into photography heavy, which I did during that time used to shoot a lot of hardcore bands and stuff in Salt Lake. I got a couple of binders of old, uh, of negatives and stuff from, from that, like those probably mid nineties, um, early to mid nineties. And then, uh, but just went way deeper into cars and, uh, set my sights on moving to, to Southern California. Got really obsessed with pre-war Ford hot rods. Um, maybe in an unhealthy way, but it brought me out here and, uh, I forced myself basically into a lot of jobs that I shouldn't have had, but I was just so stubborn and 
and uh, <laughs> wasn't going to take no for an answer and worked at uh, a bunch of different hot rod shops. And eventually it's kind of same thing with, I spent 10 years in the automotive magazine industry too, without really many of the qualifications I should have had. I didn't go to college. I moved out here to do hot rods instead. Uh, and it's funny with all this college loan stuff. I, I knew back then I couldn't afford it. Even taking a loan out was bad and I wasn't smart enough for college scholarship. So eh, then I had to get another job. But, um, didn't you work with a uh, Boyd Coddington or over his shop for a while? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I worked at Boyd, uh, actually worked there a couple of times, uh, became pretty good friends with, uh, uh, well, his family and especially his younger son, Greg, who I'm still friends with. We played in a band for five, six years. And, uh, it's funny enough. I met him and on a family summer trip out here to California in 96, uh, still in high school, but, had a license at that point and uh greg had a vespa shop or a scooter shop in the in orange county at the time and uh i actually met him there and then unbeknownst to us at the time would become friends and all that stuff later and actually yeah I talked to him a few weeks ago so um so yeah boyd was always really good with me um i never really got uh screwed by him like he did to so many people um for whatever reason <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I've been around a lot of that and I know a lot of the people that he definitely took advantage of, but, uh, yeah, he's always pretty solid with me and, uh, uh, all that. It was all a great experience. Uh, I learned so much and, and met so many of the talented people in, in that industry. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was good, good experience, hard times, but good experience. So what was it like being a, uh, you know, coming out from Salt Lake and, and I actually want to talk to you when you mentioned about like shooting old hardcore bands and whatnot. Um, uh -huh. but were you, was that part of the, were you part of that hard line, like uh, straight edge shit? That was, that, uh, that was like the, the, like, was it like monster crew and all that stuff that was out there? Yes. Yes. And no. <laughs> so I was uh, ultimately that turned me off from it. And it's funny cause I still see a lot of that kind of stuff going on there. And uh, I don't know. It's, I, I was way more, I guess, kind of like with cars and bikes. I was a bit more traditional when it came to uh, that stuff. And, but then also, as far as like, again, this is ancient history at this point, yeah. but the newer bands at the time uh, that I really liked were like Brill Biscuits and, you know, most of the Revelation stuff. And it was kind of when like the militant hardcore ALF stuff, like Earth Crisis coming in and all that stuff, it, it wasn't it wasn't really where I wanted to be. And I went to school with kids that eventually served, I don't know, 20 years in prison for blowing up candy leathers and McDonald's and stuff. Yeah. Um, what was it? Uh, uh, like they were uh, vegan. Reich was one of the seven inches. You remember vegan Reich? That was like a seven inch. Oh, yeah. In my head. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't thought about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to shows and stuff and it was, um, you know, we were lucky because there was a lot of all ages places in sure. Salt Lake. So, um, plus all just the little ramshackle hardcore shows that like, you know, the Unitarian church and, uh, the Moroccan and all these, and these other places, but there was, there was places for decent sized shows. But, um, after a while it, it became like in Salt Lake, it was East side kids versus West side kids kind of all supposedly there for the same reason. And then they're, they're, duking it out and yeah. stabbing each other and it's just like wait a minute what the fuck is going on like i'd rather just sit home and listen to my minor threat records and i don't know eat a pizza than, than like i don't know it just 
it seemed weird to me. I wasn't, uh, I don't know. Uh, it seemed more like jock like mentality to me, which they were my mortal enemies. And, uh, so I don't know, it, it, it pushed me away from it and kind of pushed me into more post hardcore stuff, which actually I still really like today. I'll, I'll listen to some of the hardcore stuff. Uh, and you know, I, I, I think fondly of it, but, um, like Fugazi turned into one of my all time favorite bands. And sure. there's so many of those like post hardcore discord bands. Um, one of my goals in life for a long time was to have every discord release on vinyl. Uh, never happened. I moved too many times and I gave away, unfortunately all, all that stuff, which even a lot of those like cardboard sleeve revelation CDs, which apparently are expensive now, but oh, yeah. gave it all away during so many moves. And I'm like, okay, so everything is so much money now i see records that i had that you know whatever and like records like going for like two three four thousand dollars now i'm like what <laughs> insane. Crazy, i don't even want to think about it yeah yeah <laughs> i yeah. I, I had a, I had a bunch of the early, um, I still have a couple of the early discord original seven inches. Um, really? I still have like a first press of the teen idol seven inch and stuff like that. Oh, shit. But I, I had traded minor threat seven inches years ago, like an idiot and things like that. But, um, they just, Who released, yeah. Did you see that they released, uh, like last year I got, I got one. They did a box set of all the early seven inches. I'm an idiot. And I'm I'm terrible with like pre-orders. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know. And I was like, ah, I kept seeing it, kept seeing it, and uh, most of the time I'd see it, I'd be like laying in bed with my phone <laughs> yeah, with the yeah. lights off, and you know, I don't want to get up and get my wallet. I think it, they didn't take PayPal, so I could just click the button, and I was like, I'm not getting up and get my fucking card. Yeah, to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like you know, then realizing that they only made them to order and they didn't really do extras. It's like, well, that was really stupid of me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's crazy. It's, um, but you know, it, it's, they did a good job with the package and, you know, pretty much oh, yeah. what you'd expect. But, um, so leaving Salt Lake, um, Oh wait, but so you so you knew what some of them dudes like we heard about all that stuff on the East Coast. They're like, what the hell's going on in Salt Lake? These dudes are like, oh yeah, shit like up, going to jail for, like for like terrorism. Yeah, and shit it was for crazy. Was, <laughs> yeah, literally. I guess one of the guys uh, was his name Andy Monch. He just got out a few years ago, um, and yeah, literally was he went to same high school and we were in art class together and again it was so small back then especially uh, there were more kids that were a little bit older than us uh who i'm actually still good friends with some of them like taylor williams he was in that band lifeless and um he's still playing music and stuff but uh i don't know they were three or four years older but in high yeah. school that's you know uh, yeah. an eon but so there was only like me and my buddy Thane and then this kid, Andy, and then actually that, uh, what's his name? Man, when I moved from Salt Lake, I just like, it was like, kiss my grits. I'm out of here. Never thought twice about a lot of this stuff. But, um, the guy, Mick, that was in 18 visions that died, uh, same thing. He was sitting across from me and in, in our little table in our class and stuff. Um, I don't know why I can't say Mick more. No, that's fucking Motley Crue, Mick Morris. What am I thinking of? Uh, anyways, um, yeah, like that was all happening at that time and, and watching all these kids basically ruin their lives. I'm like, I'm fighting hard enough to just like uh, get by in life. I don't want to ruin it right yeah, away. Yeah. I got a lot of stuff I want to do. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, but, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like it, the the you know, it was weird because like every area had their own scene and like own kind of like weird shit going on too. But like, yeah, that stuff was making national news. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, and it's funny because anytime I mention that stuff uh, to anybody that knows anything about hardcore, I'm like, yeah, even back then we knew it was gaining like pretty good. I don't know if notoriety is the right word, but um, they were pretty notorious anyways, the Salt Lake City scene was. Um, and it got way worse after I, I bailed. I'm like, all right, you guys have fun. I'm going to go work on my car. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but um, yeah, for better, for worse, that's that's where I went. But it's, it's I don't know. There's there, I met a lot of good dudes too uh, through that. And uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny because I'm actually looking at moving back to Salt Lake here pretty soon after 22 years, which I never thought would happen. And uh, so I spent more time up there and kind of bumping into some of these guys. Man, you know, you haven't seen anybody in 25 years or so. It's it's wild. Yeah. So and I, I was never on Facebook or anything like that too because I hated everybody I went to high school with. Like again, all the jocks and all the other people. I'm like. I never joined it because I didn't want to see or know anything about those people. So it's like, it, yeah. same here, man. Yeah. Like, I, I still got friends from high school and, and, uh, you know, and, uh, people I've known a long time, but I, you know, I didn't go to like reunions. It's like, I didn't like half these motherfuckers yeah. when I was there. Like, what am I going to go now? Like, yeah. Go there and not it's, still like these motherfuckers and be like, and, but then exactly. have them try and be cool with you now. And it's like, man, fuck you, dude. Remember we used to fight. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There was hardly, well, of course there was only a couple of us in the hardcore. There was only a couple of like kids that were into punk and there was only like, and if you skated back then you were, you know, ostracized. Were, yeah. Not that I was a great, I wasn't a great skater at all, no. but uh, still, that's kind of just how we got around. And um, yes, you know, yeah. you're just you just got you know a bullseye on your back, and yeah, it's like okay, yeah, you guys later, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. So, what was it like, you know, leaving Salt Lake, you know, and especially, especially, you know, years ago, like things weren't as I don't know, like, um, things were yeah. a little more mysterious, right? Because it, was, sure. it wasn't like the internet. You couldn't just Google everything. You didn't feel like yeah. you knew everybody that was like a, like that you looked up to because you just see their whole life played out on social media and whatnot. So yeah. things had a little more mystique and whatnot, you know? It was pretty awesome because everything was exciting. Yeah. Um, and also that time of your life, like I moved out here a couple weeks after I turned 20. Um, and, uh, I had lined up a job at a Ford dealership in the body shop in Costa Mesa and I lined up a place to stay in, uh, in Orange County. And then, um, I'd gotten to know these, uh, younger guys there again, they're still probably mostly almost 10 years older than me at that point, but they're still in their like mid to late twenties doing pre-war Ford hot rods, which again, you can, you can find that all over the place now, but they were, basically the guys they had this little club called the shifters um and uh got to know those guys and uh yeah wound up like getting shop space with them in fullerton california um i don't know it was bitching it was it was the some of the most fun uh time of my life because i didn't have except for going to work and trying to pay rent uh, I was, it was probably the brokest I ever was in my life. I think I could eat once a day. Um, yeah, yeah. but we were, we were, I was where I wanted to be doing what I wanted to do with the guys that wanted to do it and away from all that shit. And, uh, in California, just like, it was like, 
mecca for me and um just you know it's one of those things where you never think it's gonna end and uh uh i don't know it was it was awesome uh it was it was it was really great yeah man and and you know i think sometimes i you know when i look at you know uh same thing being in that same age range and me and my friends like literally saving every penny we had to get to a show or get in the show and like, oh, yeah. literally splitting a loaf of bread and like a gallon of water you know what i mean and like <laughs> yeah and, and all that shit and it was like you're like all right cool now i can buy a seven inch or something but like you know sometimes totally. the less you have the more you make of things and have you know oh, i feel yeah. like you have way more appreciation and more fun you know like that's what drives me nuts about the world we live in is there's nobody earns anything so nobody appreciates anything and yeah i'm i'm so big on that and maybe i'm i'm too hard uh stance on that especially with like you know everybody's kids these days i don't know we we all had to work at a young age just i'm sure my parents would have wanted it differently if they could have but um just, I don't know. For as long as I've been paying taxes, according to my social security statements, yeah. I should be re- retired by now. <laughs> but, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's what's, I don't know. I think it just gives you that, like you said, it's, it's the value and the appreciation. And, um, uh, I don't know. You just, you work, you look at everything a bit different. Yeah. And especially through the eyes of youth where you're still not like beaten by the, oh, yeah. beaten by the fist of, <laughs> fist of the, the world or yeah. whatever, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> when you don't realize the world is the way it is. Yeah. Or, and you know, you don't have as much responsibility. Like you said, it was just, as long yeah. as I can pay rent and I, you know, it, it, yeah. eat enough yeah. to survive, you know, everything's cool. I can just go out and have fun. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, so you started off, and then uh, how did you transition from, uh, you know, working at a Ford dealership to getting into, like, working in the hot rod scene? And then, obviously, then also for a while you were – for well, not for a while, for a long time, you were you were actively involved in the, yeah. the, the media scene when there still was, like, magazines and whatnot, you know? But the, the time, yeah. magazines were so important, you know? <laughs> oh, that's all we had. I mean, whether it's bikes or cars or, or music or whatever it was, yeah. like – you know, you, you, you lived and died by, you know, what came out that month and you read that same magazine for 30 more days. Yeah. And, uh, as soon as you uh, got it, you'd be so excited. Just oh yeah. Cover, yeah. It, exactly. Some of those magazines from that time were so influential that I, I still have them. I mean, I've thrown away thousands of other magazines, but that period, you know, just, yeah. Um, but, uh, I, so the, the, the Ford dealership job was, uh, a job that uh, seemed legitimate enough to be able to just pull up stakes and uh, not completely freak my parents out too much. And um, and it was good, reliable work, but I, don't know, I worked in body shops when I was a teenager too, and I, I, I hate doing it. Um, but it was a job. And then uh, uh, I went from there to my friend, Anthony, who was in that Shippers Car Club. He had a hot rod shop um, in Anaheim and uh wound up working with him and it was just him and his buddy marky uh zardy and uh there's an english guy that would kind of come and go to uh guy james bond and uh so finally i was uh, was james bond his real name or was that the nickname because he was (laughs) james mond with an m yeah i wish (laughs) yeah an english guy named james bond that'd be awesome but um uh yeah wound up over to anthony's and uh again he he had the passion and the drive 
he probably like a lot of those guys uh, shouldn't have been trying to run his own business because eventually the power company came and locked the meter outside one day when they forgot to pay the bill or, you know, forgot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he goes outside and clips the, the lock on it and turns it back on. And boy, that was a bad move. Um, they didn't take kindly to that. And sure. eventually basically like kind of went out of business. And, uh, that's actually, um, when I started at Boyd, um, Greg had talked to his dad and was like, Hey, I don't know if you can use anybody, but my, my buddy's, you know, uh, kind of in a hard way. This other shop's closing down and he's like, yeah, come on down and wound up working in the body shop there too. But, um, uh, yeah, I, uh, I bounced around a little bit after that. I was, uh, um, moved to Texas to, to, for with my ex-wife and was there and I I'm, a lot of people love Texas and I don't want to say anything too bad about it because uh, they're very proud of that place uh, I lived there a couple of times glad they love it uh, it's a nice place to visit and uh, I don't know being born in the mountain and raised in the mountains you know geography and all that stuff uh, as well as the weather I just I could not do but the, the food and the, the people and all that were always great, so it's it a tough place for me to live. But um, still, finally got back to California and worked at Boyd's again. And then uh, my buddy, uh, one of my very best friends, Jimmy White, he worked at Boyd's at the time, and coincidentally was also in that Shifters Car Club in the '90s. He has a Hemi-powered Model A coupe uh, that he still has. And uh, I don't know if you remember a long time ago, it was early YouTube stuff. There was this video of this guy is the uh the flying dutchman he actually wound up doing a bunch of yeah. motorcycle photography yeah i remember yeah, you Mar- doing that yeah yeah i remember him yeah so, so he was on he, the, like the, 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 the ham and all that stuff too yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so funny tie-in with all this and it's just how small of a world is he did a early video and put it on his I think it was Dead End Cruisers or something. I can't remember what his website was. but um, And it was my buddy Jimmy uh, getting into his Model A coupe with the, the Hemi in it. And it altered wheelbase, spindle mounts. Um, and so Maurice is in the passenger seat, and they pull out, and Jimmy turns on the main street there and just fucking nails it and starts rowing gears. And it's just pop, pop, pop. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> So funny enough, uh, in the very beginning of that video, there's a skinny young me standing there in a, uh, well, shit, this is even more weird, an Elm Street tattoo shirt, which is Oliver Peck's thing where yeah, we're yeah. doing the fucking Dorothy Dallas. So I'm wearing an Elm Street tattoo shirt, uh, and Jimmy's pulling away, and then all that happens. And um, uh, so Jimmy worked at Boyd's for a time. He was welding up a lot of the chassis and stuff. And, uh, he eventually got dicked around enough with Boyd that his boy was like, ah, that's how you're going to be, you know, take your shit with you on a Friday or something. And Jimmy starts loading up his stuff a little bit. And Boyd's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm packing up my shit. Just like you told me to. No, no, no. And he's like, nope, I'm out. And uh, I was moving back to California and Jimmy called me. He's like, Hey, I heard you're moving. You want to come work for me? I'm starting my own shop. And I was like, all right, I'm in totally. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I worked for Jimmy for, I don't know, probably three years there. And then um, a friend of ours, Rob Fortier, who'd been in the magazine biz, uh, um, shit, well, he's still there uh, 20-something years later. He did, like, a, he started with Street Rotter and 
coincidentally, that was the first hot rod magazine or hot rod related magazine that I bought on my own. It was the September of 96 issue of street rider on how to build a budget key bucket. And Rob wrote the article. Um, and Rob was coming around, he was friends with Jimmy and he was coming around doing tech article stuff at the shop, but he would, he would offer me jobs every once in a while. I was like, no, no, no. I was, I was Jimmy's only employee and I sweat equity and really proud of what we we're doing. But yeah, it's a, it was a hard line of work, especially back then. Like, you know, again, talk about being broke. And eventually after a couple of years of him doing that, I was like, yeah, all right. And uh, went in and interviewed for the magazine position for an associate editor position. Again, for a job I had basically no qualifications for uh, on paper. You're supposed to have a bachelor's degree and experience and all that stuff. And I had the photography background, but it's funny because I got the job and it was now digital camera. And I'm like, Luckily, I knew another guy that worked there. I was like, hey, how do I get the pictures out of this thing? <laughs> <laughs> because I used to develop all my own film and stuff. And uh, so that was kind of funny. But um, Rob told me, he's like, look, and I heard it from a lot of other guys too that were uh, Tom McMullen school. Because uh, the company at that point was McMullen Publishing uh, or McMullen Artists and then Peterson Publishing. So Robert Peterson from Hot Rod and Motor Trend and all that. It was those two worlds, which was like the biggest automotive conglomerate. Uh, it was like 75 titles. But, uh, um, Tom McMullen always said, it's easier to teach a car guy how to shoot pictures or write. You can't teach a photographer how to be a car guy. And so... I think that was very much true with me and I wasn't much for, for, you know, English class and writing when I was in school. Um, and to think that I would have made my living writing. Yeah. I mean, photography is a big part of it, but mostly it was writing. And, uh, um, I, it was, it's wild and to have spent a decade in that industry. And, but we had really good copy editors back then. And, and Rob was a good editor as well. So there was, you know, a lot of markups on the stuff I'd come up with. But, you know, when you're talking about something that you're passionate about, the writing becomes a lot easier. And, you know, I I ironed out the grammar and the punctuation and all that stuff. And, um, yeah. And when I started getting compliments from readers, they'd write in on on my articles. I was like, wow, what a trip. (laughs) But, uh, again, college isn't everything. No, you know, I I think, you know, depending on what you want to do, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think you can pretty much. I'm no doctor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think you're going to fumble your way through and get a a surgeon job without having any uh, training or schooling. You know what I mean? But, but, you know, but in any of the trades, like, you know, you're almost better off not going to college. I think, yeah, I think so. just, you know, getting as much experience. Uh, on the job experience as you can is, yeah. is great. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I was I was there for it was just a couple of months under ten years, and uh, I worked on street or uh, super Chevys, and then was a classic trucks magazine um, for about five years, and then on the side is when uh, Courtney Hallowell was at the company. He he passed away, but uh, he was over the motorcycle side of things and street chopper was down to one issue a year, which again, that side of the business was started with that magazine. Um, and, uh, so they were basically going to kill it. 
but you know, it was the post like 2000 big tire thing and faded and, and the people left on staff were still from that era and didn't really know. And they were just kind of bumbling through each issue and, you know, sales dwindling and, and, uh, it was coming, coming close to 40th anniversary of street chopper. And it's like, well, fuck, we gotta do something. And Brian Brennan, who, uh, Tom McMullen hired when he was a kid, basically, I mean, probably 16 or something. Brian Brennan was still at the company. He was like, uh, I don't know, a publisher or something. And I think he might even still work with Rob and a couple of other guys that broke off and started their own magazines a couple of years ago since everything else went to shit. But so there was, there was a lot of old tree chopper alumni around Orange County still. Um, Steve Stillwell, um, oh God, again, stuff I hadn't thought about in a while. Brian, um, oh, Bob Clark. Um, there was, again, the, the original dudes writing all those original articles and shooting all that stuff that were there for all the gnarly McMullen stuff behind the scenes. And so it got a lot of them together for a 40th anniversary tree chopper party. And I think we'd done one issue. And again, I was salary in another part, uh, on the other magazine, but this was just so much fun because it's like, all right, my friends like John Edwards uh, got to shoot his panhead. And I was over there when he was building the bike and we're talking about those parts or whatever. And he paints it. And a lot of the Southern California traditional choppers, again, this is pre-born free and uh, still just blog driven stuff. Um, it was a lot of those bikes that were pretty iconic from that time uh, I saw come together and knew the guys personally. So it was, it was really fun after shooting and riding about strangers' vehicles for a long time. Not that those people were bad or anything, but I finally got to tell a lot of these stories firsthand. And, and uh, it was really fun, I think, for me and my friends and the people I was shooting that, to kind of be able to present it in the magazine that way. Um, and it's, it became a lot of fun. It, it became probably more of a distraction than it should have. Again, I was sure. supposed to be doing something else for my day job, but I was doing all this nights and weekends, but spent a pretty, uh, a lot of time with it. But I think those first few issues, especially where, uh, all that stuff went in, it, they started getting traction and selling and stuff. And it, pretty soon it was like, Oh, quarterly. And then it was bi-monthly and, really kind of got the thing stoked back up and that's like, uh, and then that's born free happened and then this kind of everything ramping up from there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was a fun period there before magazines totally went tits up. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And and I remember that. I remember. And then, and then it started dwindling again, you know, like back down to quarterly, then back down to like, you know, one a year or whatever. And it's, it's sad, man, because, I don't know if we're just like, you know, dinosaurs, but like, I like yeah. magazines. Like, like I, I like I holding it. I like flipping through it. I, you know, like I like that better, you know? Yeah. It's cool to scroll through Instagram or, or, or whatever, but. It's so temporary. Yeah. 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 Like just, you know, the, the magazines are archival and it's, it's to me and I'm sure you the same way. It's, it's, it's reference material kind of for your whole life. You know, there's yeah. those features and those articles or, or coverage on this or your buddy's thing was in that. And I don't know, I think that there's, there's, there was so much clout and kind of, uh, respect and, and recognition that goes along with that where, you know, it's, I, 
I don't know. I I think every day now that yes, we probably are dinosaurs. Yeah, something is but, fuck. But you but know, it also goes back to like we were talking about earlier. You know, you were mentioning like paying dues. Like you had to have a yeah. you had to have a good bike or a good story or a good hot rod or whatever to get featured in a magazine because there was only so much room. Hell yeah! So you couldn't take. Oh, you know, there wasn't ten thousand people online posting forty thousand pictures every twelve seconds. You know what I mean? It was Dude, it, it, totally. It was like the grand sorting process. It was, it was, uh, man, you could really kind of bank off, you know, once you're stuck with the magazine, it, whether, especially if you're a shop or something, it was like, man, it really puts you on the map. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. especially for the home builder guys to, to have something in the magazine is like, holy shit, doesn't get any better. Absolutely. It, it just, it, I just feel like it meant a little more, like it was just a little oh, more yeah. achievement, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's. It's, 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 I don't know. We're just being nostalgic. I think. <laughs> I know. I know. But you know, you, I'm sitting in this room where I've got a lot of stuff framed and just whatever. I've got my records in here. And then there's, yeah. there's actually a, a, a magazine feature from 2005 and street rotter where Jimmy and I built the cars that are on the cover and, you know, things framed up in a plaque and it's probably been sure. there so long. I hadn't noticed it until now, but you know, okay, I can look at that. And, you know, I know who's going to print out their Instagram features or their blog features or, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. oh, I was on a website once or I was on a, you know, I don't know. It's like, I yeah, don't know where yeah, we go yeah, from here. Yeah. Yeah. Who wasn't on a website once or who wasn't on an yeah. Instagram? You know what I mean? Like, exactly. I, <laughs> I could take a picture of this yeah. Gator, Gatorade bottle and put it up. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it goes out <laughs> to the world in like two seconds from now. You know what I mean? But, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny too. Something you said earlier, like like oh yeah, like the, when you were talking about the Nova and stuff, like oh yeah, but at that time no one cared. Like I remember that too. Like in like two thousand one, oh. I bought a a seventy one True Matching Numbers Super Sport Chevelle for like fifty oh. five hundred bucks in Pennsylvania. <laughs> drove it home. Yeah. I drove it for like four years. It was like for two years. It was my daily driver, and I lived in Dorchester, South Boston, <laughs> and um. And uh, it was like my daily driver every year. And then, you know, a few years later, I sold it for, for like double the money and did nothing ever then. The only thing I've had to do was put a steering box in it. But like other than that, it just, yeah. and then now if I had that car, it's like 40, 50 grand. I'm like, oh, why the fuck geez, did I sell that? Thing? Right. You know what I mean? Just dumb right. shit like that. It's funny how things, you know, rotate around what it really is. But think about how many oh. people were just junking like flatheads or, or you know flathead v8s oh. or or like uh or, or knuckleheads for that matter you know what i mean yeah wow old farm trucks and now it's just so expensive you're on bring a trailer you get some shitty old flatbed truck i know i i, I have a, a 70 c10 and like there's like a waiting list oh. of people trying to buy it off me i'm like dude this is like no i'm not selling i bought it off one of my, one of my best friends I'm, it's not it's not for sale i don't even want to talk about my last c10 it actually wound up in boston the guy out there bought it, it oh, 72 he? that i yeah this guy mike Sinkowitz. uh yeah, short bed, fleet side. I put a, I did all the chassis stuff. It, yeah. sat, it was slammed on Craigers and one inch white walls, but had a, a LS motor in it. And, but still, like Cheyenne Super Interior. Just, oh man, I sold that yeah. thing for ten thousand dollars. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. With all that work in it, man. Yeah, mine's yeah. the Cheyenne too. It's got all that the the the, the tooled leather and stuff. It's cool. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, that that color. That you know. That that whatever you call it. Not the 
co- not colorway. What do they call those? Like that edition, you know what I mean, or whatever. Oh the yeah, Cheyenne, yeah, yeah. Cheyenne, yep, uh, that body style. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mine's the long yep. bed though, with the toolbox in it. That's all right. These long beds have gotten a lot of respect lately, and it's. I like it know, better. I can put a bike in the bike. back. Yeah, I can put exactly. A, I can put a chopper in it yeah. and put the gate up. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Once guys figured out the, the usefulness of long bed, four wheel drive, old trucks, it's like, yeah. man, yeah, yeah, those things are a pretty penny now. If they drop, they look cool too. Cause it's just like a big oh, yeah. land shock, you know, but, um, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's, uh, um, I mean, dude, like that was, that was a cool, like little talk. Cause it made me remember a lot of shit. You know what I mean? Cause uh, from, <laughs> You know, some of it, it's, like, it's easy to forget all that. Yeah. And just, you know, with people, some people I know, some people, you know, I just followed from, from the magazines or whatever. And, uh, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, so born free, how did you guys yeah. come up with that? And, and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the origins of that. Cause I mean, that's a, you know, super iconic show in the, in the, in the custom yeah. motorcycle world. I'm sure a lot of people would like know, the background. kind of dumb luck, uh, right place at the right time, I guess. Um, we had put together a couple of rides just out of Cook's Corner out there in the Canyon Passport Free. Um, and again, super blog driven days. Uh, so my, my buddy, Mike Davis, uh, born loser blog, uh, he had his thing and Harpoon and I were doing the freedom machinery and accessories thing. And yeah, he was a screen print and graphic design teacher and obviously painter and pinstriper and stuff. And, you know, we just, we started printing shirts, at the school that he taught at, he taught screen printing at a diamond bar high school and we'd go in there nights and weekends and make the chopper shirts that we wanted that nobody sold. And, uh, you know, but we also had enough respect to not just rip off the old shirts from these rider. We were sure. making our own. Cause again, Harpoon was so creative with all that stuff. And so, uh, we started doing that, you know, Mike was doing his thing. And then, uh, um, uh, we put together a couple of these rides and a lot of people started showing up and literally there's only a couple of, um, it's like, Oh man, uh, you know, we, we go to some of these big shows and out at the fairgrounds and, uh, and I shouldn't say too much of this now just cause born free's gotten expensive. <laughs> but at the time it was like, ah, oh, you know, it's, it's so much money to park and there's so much money to get in like the easy rider shows and, and, uh, you know, it's $15 for a hot dog and, 15 bucks for a beer and we saw three bikes we liked um you know again it was different times you know all the bikes were still a lot of big tire stuff and just body over the top whatever and um it's like man if we could get all of our friends together for one day fuck it'd be a great show but you know everybody's so distracted here there's too many things going on all year long and you know, but we'd have friends that have barbecues and we'd ride over to their house and there'd be, I don't know, five to a dozen bikes parked on the curb in front of a friend's house. Just again, for a barbecue, no other reason is like, man, there's better bikes on this curb than there was at that show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of the motivation. And, uh, so we just threw the thing together in 30 days. I made a flyer in Photoshop and, uh, uh, we put it out there on the blogs and yeah, it was, it's hotter than hell. September is one of the hottest months out here. Uh, it's, but we had guys from like Minnesota, like all the heavy crew and uh, guys from the Bay Area and um, the Pacific Northwest and Arizona and Vegas and kind of all over the place, which blew us away. Uh, yeah. We had no idea. And 
we're like, ah, oh, this is everything we could ever hope for. We had pickled eggs and I don't know, we, we had some old trophies. We just kind of gave out as recognition for whatever. Again, just fun. It was basically a, a glorified barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Scott Pommier had come and he set up, this is just a little industrial complex in Orange, the city of Orange in Orange County. And uh, there was a friend with a Triumph shop in there. And then actually my buddy Jimmy, his hot rod shop was also in the same complex, but long, skinny, little parking lot, nothing you would ever think. Like, I don't even like parking my van in there, but we wound up being able to have a show there. And uh, I don't know, there was, maybe a hundred bikes at best. Uh, probably not even that much. If I tried to really go back and look at pictures, maybe 60, 80 bikes, but maybe a couple hundred people throughout the day. And, uh, Scott Pommier had made this little makeshift sort of studio in one of the empty shops and shot a, a, I don't know, a dozen bikes or so. And, uh, I wrote up a little thing and put it in street chopper and used a bunch of those pictures and some other ones. And that was really about it. Blogs and everybody's like, Oh, Kumbaya. That was fun. And, uh, like, well, I guess we had a good response. And like, well, let's do another one next year. So we did one down the street from actually where my house is in Long Beach. Um, right now, uh, technically it's signal Hill, but we call it Long Beach, even though signal Hill didn't like that. Um, <laughs> and so we closed off one block in front of this, this dude's old bike shop, uh, Pacific Coast Cycles, Michael Bryan, who unfortunately passed away last year. Uh, and we had, we bought 5,000 cans of paps and we had a, a taco cart and hot dog on a stick and people just kept showing up. We had four porta potties and, uh, we had no clue that so many people were come were going to come. We didn't know how many people were going to come. Period. Yeah, sure. Uh, or if this anybody is, would even like come again for pre-sales and things like that. So it's just more oh yeah, yeah. Just roll the so, dice. So yeah. free. Yeah, we had actually put together a panhead with some other friends of ours that we were going to give away through the tickets and stuff, and um, uh, just for fun. And I think yeah, so we did that, and then people kept showing up and there was close to 5,000 people that showed up throughout the course of the day. And dude, the, if it lasted four more minutes, that was like, I don't know, we probably would have gotten clubbed by the police because they were on edge at the end of yeah, the day because yeah, yeah. people were pissing in the street. The porta potties were full. And this is before weed was legal out here too. People are supposed to weed in the bushes and there's a river of piss coming out from where we had the beer. And just like nothing happened. There was no, there was no incident. And as, actually back when all the clubs were getting along out here too apparently there was 26 clubs there or something wow. throughout the day and, uh, and all the, the heavy hitters and then all the old clubs and stuff but everybody had a fucking great time and uh uh we got we got lucky uh again and um yeah, again, more good coverage and just buzz, people talking about it. And I think, you know, the thing, too, though, is you got to think is back then, right? There wasn't as much going on. And then you had no. those, like, 12 bikes or whatever in Street Chopper. And then yep. that probably resonated with people. People had a whole year to think about, man, I got to get out there fucking uh -huh. next year. And there wasn't, totally. like, 5 million other shows to distract you. Like, so it was like, that was a destination. Yeah, because that was 2009. Yeah. Um, I think... Aside from, and by no means did we invent the motorcycle show at all. And we don't, we have no ownership of any of that stuff. We're just, you know, at this time, there wasn't a lot going on. I think there was smoke out stuff. And, yeah. 
then, you know, Brooklyn Invitational started around the same time too. Uh, totally different format, obviously, yeah. but, um, uh, and there's not as much room to grow in, in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Like, it, no, it's but that was fun side. too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of, it was cool that these things were popping up at the same time oh, on, yeah, yeah. you know, opposite sides of the country. And we went out there a, a handful of times too. And it's, you know, New York's so fun anyways, or at least used to be. And, um, uh, yeah, so that was really kind of about it for our, you know, peers and yeah, all of that genre or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it, again, it was super fun, super exciting. Cause 2009, really there was still, there was still, there was still, there was still the wide tire dudes hanging around. There was still some of the oh, hangers yeah. on that was still happening. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah. They were looking at all of us going like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember but, to, um, to this day, I remember, so like I was on my Triumph Chopper. This is you know, uh, oh yeah, my first Triumph Chopper. It was '64, mm-hmm. coffin tank, long Springer, and everything. And yeah. some dude, some dude was on his like, you know, Chopper Zinc knockoff bike with like the big tire and you know the <laughs> prison bars. And he's like, he's like, yeah, don't worry, yeah. dude. Someday you'll get there. Like like meaning like I'll get up to his bike. And I was like, fuck you, dude. Like fuck. Like I was like, I'll knock you the fuck off your bike and take it and sell it, and then fuck you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, I, I'm I here, bro. I'm here. Was on fire. Yeah, I'm fucking yeah. here, dude. Like I don't know where you're going, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Just I remember there was there was a little contention in the in in like people. Some of those guys didn't. They came up in that off of TV. They didn't understand like oh, yeah. the origins and like the the history of the chopper and like what we were into yep. you know and so they just thought we were on like these rinky little fucking bikes and they were on these big fucking whatevers you know what i mean and it was like exactly nah dude i ain't trying to go <laughs> that world way, collide. yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it was i don't know that that time was so so fun uh i mean i guess it's easy to get jaded now and hopefully the, the people just getting into it now are as equally as stoked as we all were back then um well but, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it, it's your fault man you fucking you guys blew it up and fucking <laughs> ruined it <laughs> Just fucking. It's everybody else's fault. They kept showing up. <laughs> they kept showing up. I'm just fucking. <laughs> literally, <with you. laughs> no. But seriously, for years, those first few years, we didn't think it was going to last one more year. Yeah. We didn't think we would be, you know, especially like as we're looking at, we didn't think anybody would come back the second year, and then so many people came back. And I, thought, I guess we got to do it. So, but we needed a bigger place, and that's we actually moved. Born Freak 3 to where we're still at now, which we can use far more space. Uh, but back then, my, we go out and look at this place and we're like, holy shit, are we ever going to be able to fill this? And man, this is a big leap and we're putting our nuts on the line. I mean, the first show cost us 1200 bucks or something and you know, I, I, we didn't really have anything to sell and then, you know, it was just fun. We did it for fun because sure. that's, we that's the only reason we were doing it and had we known that we'd still be doing it, probably would have done stuff a little bit differently, but I don't know. And, and maybe not. So, you know, we didn't think there was going to be a longevity to this. So everyone that we did, we tried to do it the best we could had the most fun. Again, this wasn't going to be a business. This wasn't going to be anything. This was just like, Hey, we have people's attention. Let's just, let's put on the show that we want to go to. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, born for three, we move out to Okay Ranch. And funny enough, we had the show bikes on the side where the vendors are now because we did, the other side is way bigger. And we're like, there's no way we're going to be able to fill that. So we had vendors on the big side 
where the show is now. And so it's flip flopped that first year, and uh, but people still showed up. And like, Shit, well, what are we going to do? Like, <laughs> we're going to still do this? No, they're not. They're they they got to stop coming at some point. Literally every year, we didn't think we'd still be doing it the next year, and uh, we kind of just kept doing it out of obligation. Yeah. When, when, when did it set in that you're going to have to just keep doing it? When did that set, set in? <laughs> Probably Born Free 5. five yeah. So Born Free 5 was gnarly. It, it almost killed so many people uh, in many ways. It was There was a crazy heat wave. And then it was – so Born Free 5 was the last year. It was one day. And it was still free at that time to get in. Um, and so there's this heat wave. And, you know, Born Free is kind of one way in, one way out, yeah. that road out there. And so somebody took it upon themselves to have this like mud run using our parking lot at the end of this dead end road. Uh, and they looked at our flyer or something. And again, we've been out there for a couple of years. So the city knows what we're doing. The sheriff, all these people know what we're doing. Um, how this kind of this other mud run thing happened is unbeknownst to us still because they looked at our start time. Oh, 10 a.m. We'll be done. They're all coming out at like eight o'clock in the morning, leaving as, the deluge for again, the one day born freeze were insane. Um, so everybody is coming in as these people are trying to come out. And there was, there's a backup of traffic that people still talk about that were went for miles. And ultimately the higher patrol got involved that went out on the toll road and all this stuff. And so there was that, there was like, I don't know, half the builders were late and like really late. And, Back then, and with all that stuff, we learn as we go, and we used to try to be really rigid about things because that's what builders' feedback was. Is like, all right, if you're late, then you're not eligible to win best in show or, or invited builder, and you're not, you don't get the money, and you don't get to go to Japan and all this stuff. But there were so many guys that were late that we took a vote on it and we're like, all right, well, you guys are again, a vote amongst yourselves to, for yeah. the winners. So let's take a vote and see if the guys that are not here should be allowed in all that. And again, this is all learning experience and we never wanted it to be that serious. The guys took it that serious. So we kind of like, you know, change the rules as the years go by as we all agree on it. And dude, that we were, we were not liked after that. Uh, especially amongst the guys that were late. Some of them understood it. They're like, yep, no problem. I fucked up. But a lot of guys were just, but then all of a sudden it was all of our own fault, even though we told them for a year where they had to be in what time. But um, so, uh, yeah, we, there was all of this stuff coming down. And after that show, Mike and I looked at it. It was like, we have to either quit, give it up, or figure out how to retool this thing because it almost killed us and it almost killed so many other people. And it, it was we had said we'd keep doing it as long as it's fun. Yeah. And that was not fun. And it wasn't fun for a lot of people behind the scenes. I mean, everybody else that went to the show probably had no clue, except for the people that had to wait in traffic and stuff. Willie G it took them four hours to get in. They, they decided to go that year. And I was like, Jesus, I would, I would have fucking turned around. I don't want to wait in line for 20 minutes. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, so that's kind of, that was when we started having to take it more serious Sure, because we had to really reinvest in the show to fix all that stuff because 
again, we started this because we don't like how a lot of those other big shows were run. And, um, and lines are one of them. It's a big thing. I don't want to wait in line for a bathroom. I don't want to wait in too long of a line for food or beer or to get in or any of these things. So uh, is this in our control? Okay, well, let's find out. So that's when we went to two days, and that's when we started charging admission because we we had to spend, I don't know, and this is, again, back Born Free 6, I think. We spent a quarter million dollars on Born Free 6. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so in, in five years, it went from twelve hundred bucks to two hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> and as the show kept growing, even before that, we're like, all right, now we can add this to it. Now we can do this. We can, you know, we would just keep dumping the money back into the show because we didn't think again the longevity was still going to be there. So it's like, you know, we don't want to take the money and run. Yeah, but we want to still put on this best show. And then here we are faced with, you know trying to retool it worked uh luckily it worked really well uh the problem is there was zero dollars left after the next year which again it shouldn't it's not all about the money and definitely wasn't at that time but it's like who spends a quarter million dollars in a year's worth of work to not make a dollar um it was it was kind of a down year for us and just kind of emotionally if you Sure. If you will, but and, uh, and that's always kind of like the problematic side of things. People see the scope of it and they think you guys are just rolling around in fucking cash, uh, and it's like I put on events, I get it, you know what I mean. But if people uh, don't do that, they don't get it. They just see, oh man, these dudes, blah blah blah, and it's like, no, they probably ain't making yeah. that much, you know. At the end of the day, you don't think about insurances, <laughs> fucking how much all this shit is to rent, fucking you know, we spend more on parties, fucking than, yeah, yeah, porta parties. Uh, oh yeah, we. There's 40 grand in porta potties though. Uh, yeah. And your your chick can find a clean shitter the second day. Yeah, uh, yeah. But nobody thinks about that, you know? Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, so it, we had to be more business conscious after that while still maintaining the quality, um, which, you know, uh, none of us, or neither one of us were event promoters. Um, yeah and still really aren't. I mean, we're still trying to figure out a lot of things that maybe we should or shouldn't know, but, uh, that events people I'm sure know, but, um, uh, yeah. It's, I don't know. I think you know, that's kind of those, the beauty of it, dude, the DIY stuff. And it just, it, you know what I mean? I agree. You know what I mean? So what we don't know is what we don't know. Uh, and we just, we just went about it, uh, the best, way we could to, yeah. to have the best outcome we wanted everybody to have fun we want to have fun and again it's kind of our time in the sun here to showcase you know what everybody that, that we know and like is doing so here we go um here's how we're going to do it so you know even like the giveaway bike stuff um it's been a ton of fun uh unfortunately it's mostly just promotion as far as you know we don't sell nearly enough tickets for it to be this giant windfall um it's it's fun to do and you know those years where we did it where like hey you could pick one of these builder bikes uh that was kind of fun and guy picks the the triumph pre-unit triumph trike the i remember one year. that yeah, uh, yeah who would have ever saw it yeah, uh, you i was know? there for that one yeah i was like wow that's cool <laughs> yeah. yeah i know we, so much of this stuff we could have never made up uh, or even guess. Um, but it's all been fun. Um, you know, there's, uh, it's been cool to have the wall of death there now and, uh, the van burnt ramp and which used to be the old warp tour ramp. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. We, we actually, we've tried to be conscious about 
making the show better. It's hard to to, to keep it fresh after all these years because there is some stuff that's formulaic, but it works. But like we cut out, um, we cut like 40 vendors, I don't know, four or five years ago. And coincidentally to, to make room for the ramp, but it was also a lot of kind of repeat stuff and kind of problematic vendors and i probably shouldn't say that on the air here but uh you know, some some of the vendors were the biggest problem we ever had with any aspect of the show but then yeah. it's like how many people can you have there selling vintage harley shirts and how many people doing leather stuff and how many yeah. chicks selling jewelry it's, it's so much repetition that then it takes away from you know if you're there as a vendor i want you to have a great time i want you to sell as much shit as you can sell and I want you to be happy to come back and and pay for your booth again. And you'll get preferential treatment every year. You get first rights to sign up. Um, and uh, especially after we cut all those, uh, it helped make the show better. Yeah. So I could, we have a waiting list of probably 200 vendors every year. And I feel bad because there's a lot of good people that I'd love to get in. But, you know, with 17 acres goes really, really fast. We, you sure. can at least fill up every square inch. So, and just it's, it's, you know, the, the amount of bikes that show up, you know what I mean? It's it's bananas. Like like, you know, uh, and that's one of the best things I think about the show is like, yeah, it's great. Like the builder bikes are awesome. You know what I mean? But the the yeah. the, the thirty thousand bikes that are in the parking lot, like where it's all mostly rad choppers, like is is fucking cool too. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So you know, it's it's been hard to give the 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 new people as it were a, a shot just you know in all aspects vendors um even builders you know the people champ thing's been good for that to help get the new talent uh kind of a, a platform yeah. because we don't you know back in back when we started we kind of knew everybody you yeah. know for lack of a better term not not in an arrogant way but it was just so small that you know you knew who was doing what and yeah and all across the country yeah all across the country oh, yeah. we, we all knew we all had an eye it's the same thing dude i get it we all had For an sure. eye on everything it's so huge now yeah it's, it's hard like, to keep it's hard. that finger even, on the pole yeah i used to know everyone in massachusetts with a chopper for the most part you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. and now i got kids riding by it's my shop luck. that on, i'm like who the fuck is that you know what i mean like it's crazy yeah, uh, yeah so it's, it, it's you know, we're, we're trying to rely on a lot on other people for referrals for, for people. Cause it's, it's a, something we get questioned a lot about. It's like, oh, how do I be a builder? It's like, well, there's kind of a lot of factors that go in there. Um, you know, and it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but we don't know everybody's capabilities or who they are anymore. So, it's, you know, it's, we do keep trying to get new blood in there. A lot, we got accused for years of being, California centric, even though we've tried to be actually since the very beginning of like the builder stuff, try to keep it out of California as much as we can. But you know, yeah, there's good people all over the place. It's just sure. a matter of finding them. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's probably a lot. It's probably, it's, it, 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 it's probably a lot to think about and kind of put in an order and talk about, you know what I mean? Like it's, a, it's a, yeah. it's huge, you know? Yeah. It seems like it's, it's been forever, but it also seems like it's also just been like yesterday since it started. It's, it's uh, yeah, definitely didn't think we'd still be doing it. That's for damn sure. 
So, but uh, also to, along those lines too, where everybody thinks we're millionaires, because uh, uh, there is always a constant rumor that I hear still to this day. It's been around for a long time. Is that either Vans owns it, or Harley owns it, or Moon Eyes owns it? And while I wish that may be true, uh, I'm sitting here talking to you because it's still just Mike and I. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As much as I would love to be a millionaire for whatever, uh, in it, I was I was asked, well, so how much was it this time when somebody says, oh, I heard, you know, you guys sold the thing. I was like, well, I'm at the swap meet at 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning begging you to buy a T-shirt. And if that were the case, don't you think I'd be at home in bed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, people are funny. It's weird, man. It's like um, I, I tell people all the time, and it's it's probably – I'm not saying anything like, but it's probably more so true here where in New England than, than, than like uh, places where there's more of a riding season, but you, you got to be in into the bike industry because you, because you love it because there's very few ways to become like rich in the motorcycle industry. You know what I mean? Unless oh it, yeah. It's more, you do this because yep. you love it. It's, it's a hard road. You know what I mean? No matter what you're yep. doing, there's a lot of work for not as much payoff, but the payoff has to be that you're doing some shit you love. You know what I mean? Because otherwise yeah, you ain't going to be in especially, that Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the custom market now, yeah. uh, you know, where the value has turned to stock bikes, you know, in a lot of cases yeah. that custom stuff is, you know, it's hard. It, it's so running a, a, a fabrication shop or, you know, you're building custom bikes or cars. That's a, I mean, it was a hard way to make a living in the beginning, unless you were really lucky to have, you know, those high-end clients or those, those kind of golden gooses. So, I mean, anybody that can do that and maintain that, especially in the climate today of uh, the local government not making it very easy to run a small business, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, dude, especially dude. out by you. Like, I got to send dude oh. pipes. I got to send dude pipes all the time. Like, I'm like, you can't. I was like, that pipe is made in California. You mean I got to order it and then ship it to you because you can't order it in California? What the fuck? Uh-huh. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fucking bananas, dude. Like, I don't. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah. Totally bananas. That's a whole other podcast right there, man. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll try to keep this one fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And, and not to mention the whole world is, is the whole rest of the United States is held captive by California law. Cause everything has to be California compliant now. If people actually knew that like the inmates were running the asylum, they oh, wouldn't yeah, be yeah. looking here for all this like guidance and oh, I yeah, don't know. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, right. I think the writings yeah. on the wall where a lot of the good people of California have left California. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, and everybody I know that does that, they get out and they're away for a while. They're like, and they come back and it's like, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. This place sucks. Yeah. Well, you know, what sucks is that it's, it's beautiful and it's very conducive. Yeah. And it's like, it was in, you know, and, and still is like the hub for, you know, um, like for, you sure. know, for, for motorsport type stuff, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's, uh-huh. like, so some things are easier because like, it's like, Oh, you want, you want this? Oh, you can just go right down the street. They make it right over there or whatever. You know what I mean? Or, or these guys are here That's one of the this. very first things that I thought of that I know that I'm going to miss, uh, when the time comes is just the availability of, of everything, materials, yeah. parts, um, abrasive, you know, yeah. just almost anything. 
um, we're so spoiled and that's been, it's been great to have access to all that, all these years. And, you know, even just legendary shops and, you know, yeah, yeah. anybody that does any kind of service, engine builders, machinists, painters, you know, there's, you just, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting any of that stuff. And, uh, that's what's always made. Yeah. So in California, the Mecca for, you know, automotive motorcycles and motorsports, like you're saying, that it really is land of milk and honey with that. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's more to it than that. Sure. No, I get now. it. Um, what, what is, is that what's kind of fueling you thinking about moving or is it more just yeah, as a family it, or something or? No, mostly, mostly that, um, you know, things have gotten so expensive here too. Our, the shop that, uh, Mike and I and Harpoon had for a little over a decade, the rent had doubled and more, more and more often now you cannot, if you say you're doing any sort of like automotive type, anything, you cannot rent, uh, industrial space. Yeah. It's getting really, really difficult. And like, I don't know, when we first got our place, it was 68 cents a foot, which was a deal back then. I think it was normally it was 80 cents a foot. And now a good deal is like a buck 40 a foot for industrial kind of commercial stuff, you know, without any consideration for retail. And, you know, I live right next to the port of Long Beach here. And there used to be so many rattled uh, shops over here. Um, and they were cheap. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of rattled shops. But they were cheap, um, you know, way cheaper in Orange County. And uh, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's cost prohibitive when, because my partner Mike moved to Oregon a couple of years ago. And I had, when he was telling me this, I was like, oh shit, what am I going to do? I have a lot of crap in there. And, you know, I, I work on stuff quite a bit. Um, and uh, I didn't really ever do service work or customer work. Uh, I've done that, you know, in the past and the hot rod stuff. And I just knew it's a hard way. And so I was mostly working on stuff that I was buying and fixing up and selling or bikes that I was building and selling, but not really with any customer, uh, interaction. And, um, there's almost no options. Ugh, I shouldn't say that cause I'm sure there are, uh, there's very little options for antique motorcycle service out here. Yeah. And it's one of the questions I get asked all the time from people that, are great people that I would love for them to enjoy their bike. But I there's only one or two people that I would even consider taking my own stuff to. Um, and they're, they're crazy booked out now and yada, yada, yada. It's unfortunate because a lot of this stuff isn't rocket science. I and mean, it's like, Oh, who, who can I have rebuild my linker? To? Yeah. I got to get, you know, yeah, again, flathead, panhead, knucklehead stuff, whatever. Um, and I was like, you know what? Maybe, Maybe I'll turn the shop. Our shop was 2,000 square feet. Um, and like, well, maybe I could give a go at this. And I thought about it. I was crunching numbers. And again, it's, you're only, you're one person. Or even if you're two people, you can only build so many hours in a day. Yep. And you know, nothing ever goes right, especially with old yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And especially Everything's now. Everything's a can of with, worms. Everything's a can of worms. Dude, everything. And aftermarket parts have gotten shittier. So yep. I know like, Keo that used to work for Yoshi at the garage company out here. Keo is one of, in my opinion, one of the very best uh, engine builders, especially with knuckleheads. He's got, he's so fastidious and so like, I don't know, you get a pack of back with everything that he put his calipers or his mic on and, you know, it, it bench runs everything. He's just really, really amazing. And, and he was apologizing to me a while ago on 
last motor I had him do. And it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to raise my, my rates. You know, the, the aftermarket parts are making the work even more difficult than it had been. And I was like, I understand, you know, yeah, you don't have yeah. to tell me that a lot of people wouldn't, but you know, you're, you're having to re-engineer all this stuff that you're paying good money for. And then how do you, how do you justify charging the customer? I don't know. I, I, I just, I was excited for a minute and then I thought about it and then I was terrified. And then plus all a new, new entity in California pops up all the time. Now it's like franchise tax board is trying to tax you yearly on your tools, your equipment, your shelving. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like every year there's somebody new sticking their hand out and taxing you on all this stuff that you've already paid for and already paid the tax on and yada, yada, yada. And just like, how the fuck are you supposed to do this? And especially like, I've never had employees. So I, but I know, you know, once you have employees and that's a whole different level of taxation, there's an employee tax and social security and, uh, corporate filing, corporate taxes, bananas, dude. My, my last podcast episode was all about this shit. I had an accountant on who wanted to remain anonymous. And we, we talked all about crazy tax shit. You know, it's fucking bananas as a small business owner like my blood's boiling just right now with you talking about this because i'm like dude yeah yeah, ultimately yeah ultimately they don't want small business owners here basically they want you suckling at the teeth and not to get off on you know the political rant but jerry brown the old governor here said long i think in the 90s that the taxpayers are a burden on the system and uh then he got reelected after that yeah they just it's going to be a welfare state and that's just how they want it and yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't know it's crazy the place. it's crazy yeah yeah um yeah. And, and yeah it's just the climate for small business in general never mind automotive type related stuff and then mm-hmm. it's and the other problem is now it's led a lot of people out of the field like i've been trying to get another tech i i could use another oh. probably two techs here for the amount yeah. of work we have and i can't find anyone man no no one wants to yep. do it anymore it's crazy because exactly yeah i get it but um, so I don't know what everybody's doing that aren't working. But I don't. Uh, here we are, still working. Yeah. Everybody I know that owns a business is trying to find someone, whether it's automotive or whatever it, the business is. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely, and, and no one can find anybody. I'm like, where did everyone go? Like, you absolutely. know, like, everyone's still here. Like, what are they doing? You know? Um, yep. But you know, that's a that's a that's a question that we won't answer right now. But so let, yep. we've talked a little bit about the origins of, of, of and 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 kind of like the th- the the origins and also kind of like the 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 thought and the mission of Born Free. What's going mm-hmm. on? You know, you you guys are expanding out uh, to Texas and doing a Born Free in Texas. Yeah. What, what talk a little bit about that and the impetus for that and what what you guys got planned uh, for that because that's coming up. Soon. Yeah. That's coming. It is, yeah. Uh, yeah, six weeks or something, October 22nd, 23rd. So um, we've been propositioned by a lot of people over the years to do a Born Free somewhere else. Um, we we were looking at doing one on the East Coast, I don't know, five years ago. It's, it's hard because... There's no room. And Mike and I just... <laughs> <laughs> well, the harder part, and... Uh, as, you know, even just with your shop and you've done events too, is, uh, the hard part is the help. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it makes or breaks you and it's, it's still the hardest thing to find. So it, Mike and I still have sort of stuck to doing this, where we do it out here, how we do it. Um, 
and despite what it looks and it, it blows people's minds, uh, I guess I'll shoot our own horns for a quick second, that we do pull off what we do in the scale that we do with just us and basically our families and a few friends. And we are, again, not an event team. And <clears throat> we should be at this point, if we were smart, we'd, we'd get more help. But um, we do it in kind of a pretty rigid way. And uh, we don't stop. I mean, we it's, we barely stop to eat. It's, you know, especially when the event's here. So um, ultimately, the decision to not do it other places became or happened just because uh, we weren't sure that we were going to be able to get the help to pull off what we're used to being able to pull off. Again, not even that it has to be this big or, or whatever, but just in the way that we do it. Um, we looked at, we actually tried to do one in Japan and we hit up uh, Shige and the Moon Eyes guys because we actually patterned what we do off of what they do and our experience over there um, is what got us going on. Kind of a, a I would say a higher level in a lot of stuff. Just, I don't know, there's so much respect and the way, I don't know. I, I went yeah. to Moon Eyes in so, 2005. We had a bike in that and literally, oh, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was one of the best experiences ever. Even in 05, I was like, oh, here's where all the knuckleheads are. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't exactly, mean dudes. But, I, I didn't mean dudes in the crowd. I meant the bikes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, okay. the bikes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it's that the way they, I don't know, kind of the way they do all that was, was how we wanted to do this. And so we, we were looking at maybe doing something in Japan. Obviously, some tremendous barriers there. The language, for one, uh, being that it's six thousand miles away, is another one. Uh, we don't know. Uh, you know, you get out of Tokyo and the big cities, and it gets really difficult communication-wise. Um, and then dealing with government permits and yada yada yada. And, sure. and we asked Shige and and his his team. Uh, we told them what we want to do. Obviously, need their giant support and help uh so we weren't trying to be competition and uh would rely on them heavily and and they considered it thought about it and they they ultimately had to decline because they were too busy and couldn't devote uh which we appreciate that kind of response instead of getting into something and being like oh fuck I, you know yeah, yeah, this yeah, thing yeah. just kind of crumbled so <clears throat> Uh, you, guys are, you, you guys are kind of bananas just for doing the Texas one after, because I can imagine the, you know, I'm sure you, you got enough on the table with the California one, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's funny. So Oliver and Chemical Candy Scott or Randy, depending on who you're talking to, yeah. uh, they both were like, man, we got to do something. Let's do something. You know how Oliver is. He just wants to have fun all the time. And, um, He's like, let's, let's do something in Texas. Let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, we're like, well, I mean, that sounds great. But, uh, you know, there's there's a couple things. The Fandango and the Hill Country in the spring has been taken off. And we, again, in the idea of support and not competition, we, okay, so we need all the Texans behind us if we're going to do this, yeah. um, even with Oliver kind of leading the charge. So we... I don't know. We we talked about it, talked about it, kept talking about it, and they wound up buying because Oliver is, is like, man, I found the perfect place to do an event like Born Free Texas, and uh, he's talking about the Yellow Rose Canyon site, which is a hundred and seventeen acres. Again, where Born Free is seventeen acres, so just just colossally bigger. And like, okay, well, that's great, but still, like, 
how how's this going to work and trying to figure out dynamics and who's going to do what and how it was, you know, just kind of all that behind the scenes sure, stuff. And sure, yeah. uh, after probably, I don't know, a year and a half or maybe even two years of kicking this around, we, we finally came up with kind of a, an agreement on, on how to work. Cause you know, everything sounds good going into it, but what happens when shit hits the fan or, you know, there's problems and it, then it gets serious and how, what does that look like and who's doing what and, yeah. and whatever. So, um, uh, yeah, it is a perfect place for something like this. Uh, it's, they've got everything there. It's the, it's the opposite of born free California where it's like, all right, here we are for five hours. Now get the fuck out, you know, or, or come back tomorrow. Uh, but you can't stay here, you can't camp here, you know, all that stuff. So it's really intriguing to have all that space. And, um, you know, a lot of those giant car shows that have been around forever are the biggest ones in the country. They're in the Midwest and Texas because it's kind of centrally located in the country. And, you know, as much as California helped us for a long time as being a destination, um, I don't know if that's still true. I mean, it's probably in a, in a little aspect, but, um, you know, maybe people are looking for something else now too. Um, and again, there are a lot of other shows and a lot of other options. So uh, this may or may not be a good idea. We'll see. Yeah, but <laughs> and we, there's a lot. One of the things that I really like about uh, the California Born Free is, yeah, the show obviously, but the canyon riding around the show is fucking bananas. Oh, yeah. bananas. And if you have, yeah. you like on the East Coast, we don't have that, right? You know, like we're up here, we, uh, you know what I mean? Like, Sure. So it's yeah, yeah. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, it would be cool, and maybe it's easier. You know, because again, if you're coming from East Coast and trying to ride to Fort Free, like a lot of people have done, it's you know, round trip doing it all. I think 17 days. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It seems about the average for you know, kind of a speedier trip. But um, you know, a lot most people can't take off three weeks. Um, so maybe Texas is going to be a lot easier for people to get to and. And again, you can show up, uh, you can, you can actually start camping Friday evening and there's a party down in Nacogdoches that, uh, Chemical Candy Scott's putting on. And then, uh, yeah, we'll have the show Saturday and camping Saturday night show still on Sunday. Uh, you know, probably Peter out in the afternoon as people try to get on the road or whatever, but, uh, we have the, the ability to have people for the whole weekend and there's all the RV you know, hookup spots, there's acres of woods, for tent camping. Um, there's a, they built a flat track there and then there's uh dirt drag right next to the flat track. There's space to try to put together a big antique motorcycle swap meet, um, or vintage motorcycle swap meet. They'll have, you know, new vendors there as well. And, uh, the show, uh, show bikes, like we're, we're trying to keep it fun and low key, like how we started. Um, we don't want to get in and be too big for our britches and expect that it's going to be, you know, yeah. whatever. So, you know, it's just easy breezy fun awards, no giveaway bikes. Um, there'll be bands playing. There's a little stage over in the woods by where the camping's going to be. Try to get danger band to maybe do like a Saturday night party thing out there, uh, but on site. And uh, yeah, just, I don't know, more fun. It's, it's funny because, and I know it's, just random people on the internet or on the board free Instagram. It's like, Oh, so they're going to be, you know, uh, especially like giveaway bikes. It's like, no, we don't have to give away bikes to get you to come. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah that yeah. shouldn't be a requisite anymore. 
you know, we just want this to be fun. And uh, I don't know, just, just kind of something different. It's, and, and it's the first one. So you, you, you don't know how, you don't know how it's going to be. So you got to. Yeah, exactly. We hope that, you know, we get a couple thousand people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's a realistic goal. Um, There's a lot of riders in and, Texas too. So even, even if you just exactly. got the people from Texas, you should have a couple thousand, right? <laughs> Exactly. And it's a beautiful time of year for there as everything else is cooling down. You know, it'll still probably be 70s, maybe even low 80s during the day, which is perfect. And, uh, um, you know, the fall in Texas is less chance for tornadoes and rain and all that shit. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it seems like a good idea. Uh, six weeks from now, we'll, we'll, we'll find out if that was a good idea or not. But, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's exciting and it's terrifying. I mean, you know, we get, not that we're used to what we have out here because we still, we get freaked out every year. We're just like, Oh, what if, you know, I, we still have dreams every year that nobody shows up or whatever. You know, you, you, we don't want to expect anything and uh, be that, that overly confident or cocky about any of it because, you know, shit changes and people change. And, or, I mean, like the year we canceled it, I mean, we, we had, we never thought we'd have to cancel it because of the fucking flu. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, Never thought we'd have to cancel the end. world for two and a half years. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, it, it, oh, yep, <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. It's it's fun, it, or it's exciting, and it's a little terrifying for us. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I think I think regardless of who is there or how many people there, we're gonna have fun just because it's a fun crowd out there, anyways. Um, oh, yeah. And I love getting. I you know all these. I drive cross country a lot to go to the, the big swap meets and, and things. And it's just a different vibe for us, especially getting out of Southern California. And I don't know, like I, I went to the Pandango a couple of years ago and in the campground outside the, the grounds and all these kids in their seventies vans and everybody just like, you know, just hanging out, drinking beer. It's like, this is like days and confused at the moon tower. Yeah, yeah. And literally, it was just, it was literally like that. I, I, I can't stop thinking about that. And people don't do that out here as well as, you know, especially Texans and Midwesterners. You can just hang out and have fun. And, uh, I'm, I'm personally looking forward to that sort of hopefully overall mentality. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, Texas. Uh, I've never had a bad time in Texas, uh, other than when I've gotten pulled over. Because <laughs> but, uh, exactly. But uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man. So, is it going to, uh, you know, having some other people partnered up? Is it going to give you a little more breathing room to actually kind of enjoy the show a little more? Or you think it's going to be just we, as heck? <clears throat> we hope so, and that's the idea. Uh, and that was the big draw for us. So, you know, Oliver and uh, Audra, uh, we are we are basically renting the place. Well, there's, there's a few partners that own the place, but the contract just for simplicity is, is between us and them, uh, this first time around. So they're staffing it. Um, there's all, hopefully everything will be on site except for us and like our boot stuff. And, um, that's, it's really appealing to think of. And, uh, again, we haven't used the space before. I've been out there once and looked at it and, have a general idea they've got a few events under their belts now and uh so kind of leaning on them a lot for kind of ideas on on how to best use it but the idea for us is to be able to go out there and 
not have to worry about so much and to be able to have more fun like we used to. Um, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. We, we really hope that happens and we hope everybody else has fun too. Yeah, man. I, I get it, man. Cause that's the worst part of being the event organizer. It's like, yeah, because yeah. you don't have a second to, to, to breathe or have a good time. Or, and even if you do have a second to breathe, like you're just worried about something. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what, my favorite thing is to go to other people's events. Yeah, uh, man. I yeah. have the best time because I don't have to do anything except for show up and have fun and yeah. leave and or think about what I want to eat or, you know, it's, it's my favorite thing now is when I don't even, even going on rides, I just follow somebody. I don't want to think about where I'm going. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's just, yeah, just, I don't know. It's I'm even at the point the where therapy I need. Yeah. I'm even at the point where my favorite thing is going to an event and not setting up and like, not, you know what oh. I mean? You, you know, like Dude, it's cool to set up and I, have like your little place carved out and you have like a, you know, whatever, but it's also cool just to be able to come and go as you please, you know? Yes. I prefer it as a spectator having to go to and set up as a vendor at events for so many years. Oh, I mean, yeah. I know you, you got to do it. And like I said, we've, we've all been doing it, paying dues all these years, but I love being able to, ride my bike to the thing and park and bullshit and uh enjoy and then all right i'm out of here yeah that's my favorite (laughs) yep absolutely oh you want to go for a little ride yeah fuck it let's go you know (laughs) but cool man so (laughs) what else anything else coming up in the future that we haven't talked about that uh, you know you know or anything going on that uh that's kind of that's the big thing on our plate we're we're also scrambling um I mean, Texas has been in the forefront of our mind and trying to figure this out. Um, but we are also trying to get 2023 California together right now yeah. because we normally announce all that stuff in September. So we're trying to finalize um, oh, just all the usual stuff, builders, uh, sponsors, um, the artwork, uh, just all that kind of stuff so that we can, uh, get everything rolling and, and people can plan. We're, we're still looking at the same weekend. I think it's June 24th, 25th for next year in California. Uh, we've been looking at trying to move it cause we keep getting, well, everybody only ever remembers the years that it's really hot at board yeah. free. And that's yeah. what everybody usually complains about, but it's, uh, uh, it's still, I don't know. 85 degrees and it's not like it's 90% humidity or anything, but Californians love to complain. So we've looked at maybe trying to move the date. We can't next year. Father's day is the weekend before and whatever. And I know. So we're still, we're still fourth, fourth weekend in June. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Texas and, uh, and 23 is, is really what we're looking at. We're, we're going to be doing some stuff. Uh, I think maybe it's a Harley. Is it the 120th or 125th next year? Yeah. Uh, we had a, a little thing at the 115th with some bikes around the museum, but uh, so they're we're in talks with with that. Um, and then yeah, I don't know. I I I think uh, if Texas works, there's so much room to grow. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of people. Are, you're, yeah, it's like, literally, literally, 10 literally. Times, literally 10 times the size of <laughs> yeah so you know i really hope that it it is something that takes off just because it's 
we're so limited and we're so squished in yeah. California. Uh, that's honestly one of our biggest challenges is just the, the Rubik's cube of trying to, to do that. And everything changes every year enough to where it's like, and it's not anything that anybody notices, but I do the whole show layout. So it's one of my biggest stresses, yeah. but, um, Texas could be so much fun. I mean, we could have like a, uh, um, like an OE Pennsylvania AMCA size uh, swap meet, you know, the races. I even, it would be cool to do like a scramble through the woods there. Um, I don't know. It's, it's everything that we have not been able to do, but have dreamed about being able to do. So I don't know. It's, yeah, It sounds like, yeah, there's a, there's room for a, a ton of shit. Like, and then every year, like if that works out good, like every year you can just, kind of chip away and add the new shit and keep it more exciting yeah. and fresh. Exactly. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that's most of it. I've, I've been working on my almost hundred year old house here in Long Beach and, uh, uh, trying to keep some of these old wrecks running. And, yeah. uh, um, yeah, I don't know the year. I can't believe it's already the middle of September and, uh, I know uh, it's crazy. everything's whizzing by. I know. So are you, are you still doing anything with, with like, are you still doing any car stuff or just mostly bike stuff? Or? Uh, not really. There's it. Space became the big limiter yeah, on dude. that. 100% and, dude. 100%. Yeah. Which was kind of the, the relieving thing about bikes. You know, you can have 10 junk bikes in the spot of one junk car. Um, and, uh, I had, uh, when I was, at the magazines because I was working on separate car crafts and hot rod. Uh, the last five years I was there, I was running the shop, um, working on a lot of the roadkill cars. If people are watching the roadkill YouTube show, and um, the, the uh, lucky mobile tech guy has my old job, which if I stayed would have turned into that video position there. But I built a single turbo Fox body Mustang when I was a car craft, and that was a ton of fun and had uh, big blocks. 67 Corvette four speed, uh, after that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I would, I would like to do some car stuff eventually, but just time. And I don't know. I, the one thing that I've grown to hate in life is projects. Yeah. And especially car projects. Oh yeah. It sounds like the worst thing in the world to me because that was my life for so long. <laughs> so I would love to get something that doesn't need a lot. I'd still, I'd love to build another hot rod at some point, a pre-war Ford hot rod. Um, but it's nothing that I need right now. And there's, I have my hands full with all the bikes that I've got. And, uh, I don't know. Um, we'll see if something comes along and, uh, I've got a place to put it then great. But yeah. I haven't had a place to put anything car wise. So, yeah. Maybe when you back out in Salt Lake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's kind of one of the thoughts. There's there's an old guy there that I used to do a lot of flathead Ford stuff that um would love to buy one of his cars that he's had forever. We kinda of talked about it a little bit. And if that happens then great. Um but normally not really out pursuing anything. Yeah. Now what you know, I you know, I know bike stuff is crazy and all over the place, but like with like hot rod and like, you know, old car stuff, is it is it crazy right now in California or is are the prices like coming down? Or they or they It's funny because a few years ago that stuff was really kind of nosing over. Um and like a lot of things with the end of the world that are collectible, um like 
vintage guitars or records or even uh, cars uh, where yeah. you were you were being able to scoop up really really nice stuff at like Barrett Jackson and Meekum and stuff. The last I don't know six seven years, you know, prices were dropping and dropping and dropping, and now it's they seem really strong. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't quite understand how the influx of money is with all of that, with the way the world looks, but yeah, I don't know. And everything's we'll so see. weird right now. A dude came into the shop and he's looking to sell this pan head and it's this beautiful custom chopper pan head. That's, that's been uh, a chopper since like the sixties out here, you know, a uh, local, local bike. Um, and he's like, what's it worth? And I was like, you know, dude, I, I don't know because I see bikes like this going for like, eight or nine grand and i see bikes that are like shit bags like going for like 14 grand and i, I or, or, yeah. or 17 grand i'm like it's all over the place now it's like what do you want for it and that's really the value of it dude you know what i mean <laughs> it's, yeah, that's really it i mean that's the best way to put it because everything is so poorly and it's it's almost arbitrary on a lot of things yeah yeah yeah, it's crazy, man. It's it's all over the board right now. So that's why I was just checking in. Yeah. I just just always just curiosity what it's like over there right now. But yeah, man, dude. We're, we're, like, uh, I appreciate you taking the time, man. But what? Give a give a couple of plugs, like, of where people can find out more information about the shows and uh, you yeah, know, and all that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. We are uh, of course on. Uh, we have a Facebook page, as far as I know. I just still don't know how to use Facebook, but <laughs> it's there. Um, for those, the Facebookers, uh, we, we primarily drive everything off the Instagram. Um, we are, we've been working on the last few weeks trying to update our website and kind of retooling a lot of that. Yeah. So it is on there. Uh, a lot of the new information for California will be coming soon on there, but we do have a, a, a thing where you, if you go to bornfreeshow.com, uh, you can click on the first thing that's Texas. That basically takes you to the Yellow Rose Canyon website, uh, which is the venue, and you can get craft passes there, uh, which includes your nights of uh, Saturday night camping um, and entry with your bike into the show and all that stuff. And then there's you can also do general admission ahead of time, just because Oliver and Audrey are a lot more organized than we are. You can get general admission. You can buy even just general admission camping if you're going to go in your vehicle or just want to go tent camp and you're not, you know, bringing your camping gear on your bike. Um, it is a lot to read through on there. We're trying to streamline it like literally every day. We're tweaking it. Um, so we do apologize, but uh, so you're kind of learning with us. But yeah, bornfreeshow.com or uh, bornfreeshow Instagram are the best places. We're going to be doing a bunch more video stuff. We've we've been working with Mark Kirkland, uh, who's done some neat stuff lately. With uh, uh, he's done a bunch of stuff for Dice, and he did one on Gary Gary Royal up in uh, Oakland, who was one of our builders this year. He's going to be doing a lot more stuff with us uh, over this coming year because um, a lot of people miss the builder videos and that. And uh, um, so, yeah, that's immediately that's kind of uh, where to get the stuff. Like I say, you're kind of along for the ride with us on this Texas thing as we sort it out, but we appreciate everybody's patience. And if you got questions, we're trying to get all that stuff handled. And, uh, but yeah, Texas is October 22nd, 23rd, about two hours east of Dallas. 
Um, so pretty East Texas, not far from Louisiana, uh, and just outside of Tyler and Nacogdoches, uh, for reference there. But, uh, yeah, it's an awesome property outside the little town Henderson. There's a few hotels in that town. Um, but again, there's like 150 RV spots and you can do, you can rent RVs or even trailers, uh, on RV share or outdoorsy, and they will drop the travel trailer off to the RV site and hook it up and all that kind of stuff. It's almost like an Airbnb for that stuff. So, oh, um, yeah, Oliver and Audra have, have told that that's been pretty popular. And, um, so yeah, uh, hopefully all that helps, but, um, yeah. Well, fuck yeah, man. Uh, uh, well, let's fucking. It's we're almost at two hours, bro. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, it's crazy. I know my wife's like, we gotta go. We gotta yeah, go yeah, to yeah. a friend's uh, birthday dinner. But um, no, it's, it's. I mean, that was that was a quick two hours. Yeah, absolutely. But well, hold on, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off here, but I'm not gonna hang up. So just yeah. hold on one second. But again, thanks a lot for you coming on today, man. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs>